Good morning, lads. How are you, Jaron and Owen? If you start the day with a good energy. Good morning, Jaron and Owen. How are we doing, lads? Yeah, good. Off the ball, breakfast. Live every weekday morning from 7.30 on your smart speaker. Just ask Alexa to play OTB Sports Radio. There's no f***ing filler. All right, you're welcome back. It is Thursday's Off the Ball. Nathan with you this evening. 53106 is the text number. You can get in touch on all our social channels as well. Uh, we're going to talk golf for the next little while. Olivia Mahaffey, one of the most uh, talented young golfers to come out of Ireland over recent years, a top five world amateur, a Curtis Cup player who turned professional a couple of years back, a couple of top tens on the ladies' European tour where she is currently playing. And I'm delighted that Olivia is with us this evening. How are you keeping, Olivia? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Where in the world are you? I'm actually at home. I got back from Kenya um, on Monday, so a little shock to the system with the weather, but it's nice to be back. <laughs> home is still Banbridge then, yeah? Yeah, still Banbridge. So uh, I don't think uh, anywhere feels like uh, being at home and in your own bed. Uh, you have been uh, on the road. You were in Kenya as recently as last week and uh, a decent finish playing on the Ladies European Tour. The Magical Kenya Ladies Open finished 23rd. Yeah, nice to get the first one of the season out of the way. Um, it's kind of a tough course to start. Very, very tight, narrow and um, kind of firm. So um, decent. Uh, left a few shots out there, but nice to see where the game's at and, and get prepared for the rest of the season. How did it feel going back to Kenya this time compared to 12 months previous? Because at that time in 2023, in your first summer of the year, it was at the end of a long sabbatical when you had stepped away from the sport because, you know, I think you needed to look after your own mental health for a little while and get get things together how did it feel going back this time compared to 12 months ago yeah it was weird you know when I think of where I was a year ago to where I am now it's kind of crazy I think the progress I've made on and off the course and um, I was so nervous last year was my first event back I took six months off um, didn't compete for a while and then going into it this year it just felt felt totally different and it was really weird standing on some of the tee boxes and I was like I don't know why I thought this was so tight and difficult and it just felt different but I think it's nice to see the the work you put in like how rewarding it is because I feel like a totally different person than I did one year ago so I think to see that all pay off it's it's quite rewarding. How did you feel one year ago when you stepped up on that first tee in Kenya? Oh, I think I was nervous. I, I've never taken time away from golf. Like it's always been my like my life. Um, I'm the type of player that my team around me begged me to take time off and you know practice a little bit less. I think I'm a little over the top with it and um, obsessed. And I think when you you take that out of your life and you don't really know how it's going to be. So I think I had all of those emotions. I think I was nervous. I was apprehensive. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't even know if I was ready to be back playing um so I think it was um it was really really tough last year and I think to go there this year and feel so calm and feel prepared and feel ready I think I'm a totally different player and I'm really excited for this season now we've got a broad audience here so we'll have golf fans who will know your name and will have been following your progress through the years when you went over to America and Arizona State and you were becoming a really great amateur golfer and there'll probably be people who have heard of the name and maybe probably first came familiar actually when you went on Twitter and you spoke about the mental health issues that you've been going through and making that decision to step away from this game that you love and that you love practicing and feeling actually the thing I need to do now is is actually just look after myself. Can you talk to us about August 2022 and what was going on in your life that you, you felt you need to make that decision? 
Yeah, so I lost my dad um, just the December 9th, just before, um, and it was it was rough. Um, I went to Q school immediately after. Uh, he made me promise I was going to go and um, lost my dad on Friday, had his funeral on the Sunday and got on a plane and went to Q school on the Monday and wow. I didn't tell him. And it was tough. Like that was by far the obviously the toughest experience of my life. But to get on that plane and to do that, I think it was just so rough. Like I remember going to tee it up and I bumped into some of my friends. They're like, how's your family all good? Is everyone good at home? And I'm like, yeah. And then I walked to the tea and I was like, just don't cry. Just don't cry. Just don't cry. And I think going through that, but I kind of buried my head in the sand. I just went straight back to work. I went on this crazy stretch at the start of that, that year. Um, I played like nine weeks in a row. I was like Australia, Thailand, South Africa. I was in America. I was just everywhere um, trying to cope with it. And then I came home and I think it hit me then. And I played the rest of the summer, struggled, and then, I mean, I was just not doing good. I just didn't feel like myself. I mean, my relationship with my dad was a lot to do with golf, and I think um, when you lose your biggest sounding board and the person you trust the most, I think it's so difficult, and I made the decision to step away. I probably should have done it earlier. My family, everybody sort of noticed I just was not the same person. Um, I didn't really want to leave the house. I didn't want to socialize. I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. I was crying like every night. And I think making that decision was probably the hardest thing I've had to do because I didn't, I still like felt like golf was my escape, but um, I was just hurting myself by doing it and pushing myself more. And um, I made the decision that I, I can't continue to compete and I need to be at home and I need to work on myself. And um, it probably took me two or three months to fully realize that that was the best decision for me. God, that's, that's an incredibly difficult week obviously losing your dad the funeral and then to go out to Q school which everything I've ever heard about Q school is it's just the most horrendous experience because people's livelihoods are at stake here and they're if you don't if you don't get the number you want suddenly your entire career can disappear in front of your eyes very very quickly it's such a pressurized situation where there probably isn't much room for sentimentality from people who are there and obviously a lot of them don't even know what's going on Uh, those few days going to Q school are, are they just a blur when you look back now? Yeah, it was just so rough. Like, I remember I deleted, like, all my social media, like, off my phone. I just didn't want any messages. And it was really crazy. Like, everybody in, like, where I'm from, my golf club, everybody knew, like, home. But, like, all my friends in America, all my friends in the golf world that were away from Northern Ireland, like, nobody knew. Um, So I think, like, the first week, obviously, the worst thing about Q school was it was two weeks. So it was the pre-qualifier and then the final qualifier. And first week was, like, okay, I managed to get through it. But then the longer I was away from home and, I was just like, I just need to, I need to go. But I mean, I managed to get through it. I knew it was what my dad, that was his final wish. He was like, promise me you will get on that plane, whatever happens, and you will go and play Q school. And I think, you know, it was hard for me. I wanted to turn pro in 2019. I fell and broke my hand. I missed Q school in 2020. COVID happened. So I wanted to turn pro already three years ago, and we're still here. And finally, my chance to turn pro and get status and tour is around. And um, I'm not able to. So it was tough. And incredibly tough to give yourself the best chance then, while you'd be well used to the travel from the college circuit in America and all of that. I think anybody who's turned to be a professional golfer has found those initial weeks and months of struggle with the the constant travel, the expectation to perform. It's suddenly, it's your livelihood. You need to pay your way when you're going there to to try and go through that while all this other stuff is going on in the background as well. It's, it's, It's almost impossible to succeed. 
Yeah, well, I mean, my preparation was horrible. Like, I'm someone I work really, really hard. Like, you know, I came home in October and I spent all the time with my dad. I wanted to care for him. I wanted to be here. I barely practiced. And the last two weeks before I went to Q school, I, I barely touched a club. Like, I mean, I'm someone who's out there. I work really hard. I love practicing. And then I'm going into this event. I'm a mess off the course. And then also I'm like oh my gosh, I haven't even practiced. Like that was the last thing on my mind was I have not even trained to go into this. What was, what was the moment when you realized actually, you know what, I, I need to step off the hamster wheel here. I just need to, I need a break. Yeah. So like it was kind of building because like, I actually started the season. Okay. Like I was, I had a, a couple top tens. I was playing pretty solid. And then when I came home and I realized like what had happened, I don't think I was living in the real world. I think when I was playing those weeks, I was thinking I'm going to go home. And I, it's just like what I used to do in college. I would leave from home for six months. I would come home and then everything would be the same. And I think I maybe thought that that was going to be the case. Like I'm going to go and travel. I'm going to come home and everything's going to be normal. And I think when I walked, when I, when I first put my foot through the door, I was like, oh my gosh, like my dad's not here. And I think that really hit me that moment. And and then I sort of knew, like I remember we played in, in Galgorm in Northern Ireland, all my family went to watch and they're like, you are not yourself. And I remember like three or four people came up to me separately and they're like, can you just take a break? Can you just take some time away? And I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm going to push through. And then I came off the course the first round in Sweden, shot like six or seven over, played terrible. And I was just crying my eyes out to my friends I was staying with. And I was like, I'm not even upset about golf. I just, I can't do this anymore. And then I withdrew from the tournament and I flew home. I've never like withdrawn from a tournament like that. And I went home and I was like, I just, I can't do this anymore. And I think that it took me a little time, even when I was at home, like I didn't want to leave the house because I think the hard part when you're an athlete is it becomes your identity. Um, And I think that's something I've struggled with the most. Like even when I walk into the gym, it's like the first thing people ask me, oh, how's golf going? You know, where have you been? You travel next, you know, it's not really about you as a person. You become just this athlete. And I think that's what I struggled with the most was that I just didn't want to see people because I didn't want them to ask me how I was doing, what was happening with golf, why were my scores bad, all of that. That. I just I just didn't want to so I feel like I came home and I just shut it down and it took me a few weeks like I was like I'm not going back to even practice or touch mm. a club until I figure this out and then I had obviously my family are worried about me and they're pushing me they're like go and get some help go and talk to someone I'm like I'm just not even ready to talk to someone and I think that was the smartest thing I did I give myself like three or four weeks and I didn't talk to anyone I didn't want to start working with a psychologist I didn't want to try to address those issues because I wasn't ready and I give myself that time I wrote a lot and then I actually started um online blog which was probably the most rewarding thing I'd done and I wanted to help people and having even other people's feedback like oh my gosh I'm feeling the same thing I'm going through the same thing it was like there were so many people that were having those issues too and I think to be able to help them was probably the most rewarding thing through all of that yeah and particularly for athletes it feels like it must be heightened because obviously it, it sounds as though there's almost a delayed grieving process that you're going through when you press stop but you talk about your love of golf and how much you love practicing and you want to be there and that's that's your identity you want to be the one who's in the gym you want to be the one who's on the range putting in the hours and actually having to say i'm stopping that as well leaves you with a, an awful lot of free time yeah and you don't know what to do with yourself mm. like I was really disappointed because the Irish Open came back for the first time. And I mean, I never played an Irish, an Irish Open as an amateur and I love playing at home and having the crowd and support and all of that. And, and it was like, 
month or a month and a half after I've taken a break and I was like oh I'll push myself I'll come back for that and I think sitting at home and not playing that and just first one back I think that it was so hard you have all those moments because you want to play and but you're just like okay just put yourself first for this one time because you're not ready to be out there you went through some of the setbacks there and obviously varying degrees of setbacks with the hand injury and then COVID hits and obviously uh, the devastating loss of your father. It felt as though up to that period that from the outside, things were going very, very well in your golfing career. You got up to what, number two in terms of European amateur, number five in the world. You're playing Curtis Cup. You're, you're in Arizona State, which is like one of the marquee golf programs. It's, you know, where John Ram, Phil Mickelson have come through, Anna Nordquist. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about those years and and life in Arizona and just just how good that was. Yeah, it was probably the best decision I've ever made in my life. I think I wasn't really sure at first. I was like, should I just turn pro? I'd had a successful amateur career. I sort of felt like I ticked most boxes. I'd achieved a lot of things and I felt in a way ready. And then I said, right, go out there for two years. Your goal is to play on the LPGA tour, get used to being away from home, learn how to do all those little things that you're so comfortable at home not having to do, you know, be on your own schedule, do all your own washing, like all those stupid little things you don't even think about. But, um, it was the best decision for me. And then when I got out there and I saw how hard I was working in school, I was like, I really wanted to get my degree. So um, I stuck it out there, got my degree. But it's just amazing being out there, like a whole new level, facilities, um, competing all the time. And then obviously, as I said, the degree was important to me as well. Um, what so you get the it degree was- in? Uh, sociology. And I am halfway through a master's in organizational leadership, but I'm oh, not brilliant. finished it yet. Yeah, right. so I... I, I, I actually enjoy school, but I think it's that competitiveness coming out that I wanted to do well. Um, so, yeah, it was amazing. But I think then the hard thing for me was like my amateur career went so smoothly. It, it never really felt like I had that many ups or downs. Like, of course, I had a bad tournament, but then the next one would be fine. And I never felt like I had a period of really bad golf. And um, I think then it was just hard when you have a good amateur career and everyone's like, oh, you're going to go in the LPGA, you're ready, you can go and win and then you don't do that and you don't meet your own expectations or other people's expectations and sort of, as they say, like life gets in the way. I think it's tough. Um, so I definitely feel the, the start to the professional career is not being what I want, not being smooth as, say, the amateur career has been, but I've worked really, really hard with the team around me. I felt like last year was like a rebuild um, and I feel like, kind of back to my old self which is so nice for me and I'm excited for this season now but it sounds what you're saying that going to Arizona State has certainly set you up for life in terms of education Uh, when you reflect on that decision then not to turn pro because particularly in ladies golf we often see uh, players turn pro so so young you think of somebody like Lexi Thompson at 13 14 and then Leona Maguire who goes the other way who waited and waited and waited and you know there's varying opinions on which is better when you reflect now was it was it the right thing to go to Arizona State? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I still go out there and train. I go out in the off-season and, you know, you get to practice with, like, John Ram, Anna Norquist, um, Carlotta Saganda, Paul Casey. I mean, it's amazing. And even still now, I, I spent my whole off-season this year there. And um, to have that option to go there and spend time there. And I think as a person, I matured so much. Um, I learned an incredible amount. And I just, I grew up so much. And I think my golf just improved every year I was there so I couldn't recommend it enough I think you know professional sport is hard you're putting yourself out there you're 
you know, everybody's looking at your scores. They're judging you by that. You've got a whole corporate world that you're entering. You're trying to manage sponsors. You're doing corporate days. You're planning your schedule. You're booking flights. You're doing all of that stuff. And I think um, you need to look, you need to grow a lot. And I think when you're 18 years old or 17 years old, it's very, very tough to step out and do that. And I think giving yourself those extra few years is, is so beneficial. Did yourself and John Ram overlap in Arizona State? No, John finished the year before I started, but thankfully he was always there practicing, so right. I got to know him pretty well, which was nice. Well, uh, go on then. Give us the uh, the insights you've uh, managed to gain from uh, practicing with John Ram. I think just like his skill levels and seeing like watching him in bunkers with like four irons and hitting like little soft wedge shots with I mean it's just incredible like what he can do and I think it's fun to see the the boys are so different they've got that like show off mentality like watch how good this is and I I love that I think um as a female you want to be a little bit more like that but I think just the skill level is insane uh, yeah, uh, his story is phenomenal as well. Went over there with little or no English and educates himself and obviously goes on to become uh, the best golfer uh, in the world as well. It is one of the great things about pro- professional golf or golf in general that even though it, it, it needs to be quite a selfish sport, there always does seem to be that generosity that people will help each other, even at a professional level, that the best putters will talk to people who are struggling with the putting, give them that little bit of advice, give them that time. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, like, um, you know, when you go to the same college as someone, it's the same as like coming from the same country. You always want to help your own. I feel, you know, that way, like I've been fortunate where uh, Paul McGinley, like, you know, we've got so much support. Leona's helped me with a lot of things. And then the same at Arizona State where you've got that, you know, Carlotta Saganda's helped me so much. And I know if I go and ask any questions or any of the guys. So um, I think you've kind of got that, like, you feel like, you know, they're one of your own and you want to help them out, which is really nice. And I feel even now when I go back to Arizona State, um, Beth Coulter's there and it's nice to have another Irish girl there and I, I help her out quite a bit as well. So I think it's it's kind of nice. You just look out for your own. John Ram could probably buy Arizona State at this stage. <laughs> it feels like that way. <laughs> just cash flowing out everywhere he walks now along the practice <laughs> screen. Uh, the the advice you get from Leona, like it's so cutthroat, uh, professional golf, and it's, it is a sport that looks so glamorous from the outside and you get to go around play the best golf courses in extremely nice parts of the world but it's so hard to make money it's so hard to live week to week who are the people that have have spoken to you about that as to how you you manage all that business side which is is not glamorous at all with also been able to fully focus on the sporting side of things yeah, I think I'd be fortunate where, you know, I've been able to pick Leona's brain a lot about it, Carlotta. I mean, all of the girls that um, have sort of been there before you. Um, but I think you have to learn yourself a lot as well. Like, I mean, you everybody's so different. Like, how early do you like to get to a tournament? Like, do you like to play four weeks in a row? Do you like to have an off day on a Monday? Do you like to try and get out of the country on a Sunday? Like, all of those little things that you have to figure out what's the best for you and nobody can tell you how to do it which is the hard part like um you know you see it even now with the guys like trying to figure out if they want to play the week before a major or not i think everybody's so different so no matter how much advice you get you've still got to figure out all of those little things on your own um but it's definitely um it's definitely nice to like you know get advice from them about certain countries or um even like getting visas for countries like I I didn't even realize I had to get a visa for Australia and I'm trying to like do this frantically like all of those little things that you can ask the girls that have been there before which is nice 
yeah, uh, it's it's a tough gig, and the the circle you have around you on the Ladies European Tour when you're when you're out on tour, uh, I'm sure is hugely important. Like Patrick Harrington always spoke about say the glory days of the European Tour when there was probably a dozen male Irish golfers out there, and they everyone went down for dinner every evening at seven o'clock. It didn't matter if you were top of the leaderboard or you were going to miss the cut. There was that sense of nobody sitting up in their hotel room by themselves. You come down, you have dinner, and you have the chat. Do you have that there when you go out and tour? Is it is it a is it a welcoming place, or do you find it quite a lonely place? Well, the leadership tour is really good. I think everybody is very friendly, and I think you you sort of have to find your group that you like to travel with because we stay in a lot of Airbnbs. Obviously, try to keep the cost down because we're spending so much money. Um, so I think it's nice when you ha- kind of have your group, and um, I like to stay in Airbnbs because we can cook. But I have like quite a good uh, bunch of girls that I travel with, which is really nice. And then my caddy, he stays with us sometimes as well, and and that's nice. So um, I think it definitely helps. I think it's a very lonely sport, and you definitely need to have that good group around you because you know when you're four weeks in a row and you know someone around you's not playing well or you know you've had a tough couple of weeks you really really it's really important who you surround yourself by so I think that's very important because it can get lonely out there What are the ambitions then because you spoke about becoming a ladies European tour player I wonder was that at a time when the ladies European tour was in a different place because it just feels the LPGA has become uh, bigger and bigger and the ladies European tour is really just trying to, to keep up with it at the moment is is the ladies European tour a sustainable way of playing golf long term it's it's not my long term plan um, you know my goal is my goal by the end of the year is I would love to have an LPGA card I would love to win on the ladies European tour um, I mean it's 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 a really great tour it's very nice to see all of these countries I think it's it's grown a lot it's improved a lot when you see where the money was four or five years ago to how many events there is um, it's a very competitive schedule the money's improved a lot it's great obviously it's very far behind the LPGA still um, so Obviously, the goal for me is to get on the LPGA and that's kind of where I've got my sights set for um, the end of this season. And what's your year looking like to you in terms of entries to tournament? Are you able to pick and choose or are you in that place? No golfer wants to be where you're sitting by the phone on a Monday night and you're having to fly halfway around the world and you don't even get a practice round and everyone wonders why you end up missing the cut. (laughs) I know you feel like that that happens. Um I have a decent status. I'll get into most events, which is good. Um so I'm able to plan a little bit more. Obviously, there's reshuffles. And I just feel like with professional sport in general, you just never know what's around the corner. So um, not, well, I say that as I'm reserved for next week in Morocco and I would love to play. So maybe I'm still sitting by the phone a little bit. But no, I have a pretty good schedule. I should probably play a decent amount of events. And I've been able to plan it out pretty far into June which is nice um, in terms of booking stuff and, and getting organised so um, I think I should have a, a nice number of events this year And you had, uh, you had three nice days at the Irish Open last year I presume we'll see you back this year Yes, very excited um, excited that's in Carton House and obviously Dremoland have been doing such a good job so I think that'll be great and hopefully we'll get some big crowds like we did last year Yeah, well listen Olivia we look forward to seeing you at the Irish Open and uh, following your progress throughout the year as well hopefully you get that win get that spot on the LPGA Tour but thanks a million for joining us Thank you